welcome to the M3 Bear Essentials Podcast. My name is Malcolm Travers. Each Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, I host a live broadcast and invite the editors and contributors of Mail Media Mind to present a topic of their choosing. We discuss social issues, entertainment, mental health, sexuality and relationships, or whatever makes the news or makes us mad. Each live recording is about three hours. But in the M3 Bear Essentials podcast, I cut it down to about 90 minutes. And if you would like to view the full recording or ask questions or comment in the live chat during the podcast recording, you can subscribe to M3 on YouTube and get a notification when we go live. You can find links to the YouTube page and other social media platforms at mailmediamind.com. Now, enjoy the show. It is Sunday, September 11th, 2016. My name is Malcolm Travers, Editor-in-Chief of Mail Media Mind, and welcome to the M3 Sunday Hangout. Today we also have a uh, special guest, uh, Coach Wink from the uh, Bait Nation podcast. Yay! So, um, uh, if you would, go ahead and introduce yourself, and uh, then we'll go to each of the contributors. Okay, well, well, first of all, thank y'all for having me here. I'm glad to finally be on with y'all, so I appreciate it. So, shout out to y'all for just allowing me to come into this space and... Um, do it up but uh i go by wank or coach wank is what the squad calls me so y'all can call me that too and i call myself the fap facilitator um bait coach extraordinaire solo sex expert here to help all my dudes become greater baiters so that's basically what i do okay what's up (laughs) (laughs) and i'm hoping that um our audience out there will um give you some questions we're gonna try to do so i'm ready we're gonna try to stump you <laughs> I want your weirdest masturbation questions. I want the weirdest one. Oh, that's good. That'd be good. <laughs> uh, but let me introduce the panel or give each person an int- uh, time to introduce themselves. Start with Derek, Jeffrey, Lonnie, and Xavier. All right. I am Derek Anthony Jones. I am a M3. I'm the M3 talent. That's what I call <laughs> um, uh Chef. Onyx Leatherman, uh, just all around great guy. And I am really looking forward to today's show because I've been masturbating for a long time. And I just want to know what I've been doing right and what I've been doing wrong. I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. We'll get into the stories and then I'll let you decide. All right. All right, then, Jeff. Hi, I am Jeff Roman, a native here of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm the M3 Music um, editor and contributor, and I am also a behavioral health researcher at Emory University. All right. And um, Lonnie? Hey, guys. Can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Hey, Lonnie of Lonnie's Life Lesson. Also, I work in the health insurance field, and I always have a question, and right now, I'm actually at LA Fitness, leaving it on the floor. <laughs> All right. And uh, Xavier. Good evening. Good afternoon. I'm sorry. Um, I'm Xavier Spann here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mental health professional and therapist for the uh, Atlanta City Department of Corrections. Coach Wink, we, yeah. wanna, we just want to get, I guess, an introduction to how uh, everything started with blogging, uh, podcasting. Tell us the story the birth of Bait Nation. <laughs> how did okay. uh, how did everything start? That's interesting. Um, so probably about back in 2011, you know, I found out about Tumblr 
And I was like, okay, this is a good way to kind of, you know, they had different funny pictures, memes, and things like that. But then I discovered there was a freak inside of Tumblr. I'm like, oh shit, let me <laughs> get into this situation. So I ended up just creating a random website. I just chose the name Wankworthy or whatever. And it started out with me just, you know, reblogging my favorite new pictures and just posting things that I enjoy. And I have an extensive collection of videos, like solo videos that I like, because I love a lot of solo male masturbation videos. So I don't know. I have the idea to just start posting those videos on Tumblr. And it kind of took off from there where I was getting a lot of um, reblogs and notes and things like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So people like my porn collection. So let me keep posting it. So that's how over time the blog became popular. But then Tumblr was acquired by... uh, Yahoo, and I think now they're acquired by Verizon or something like that. And Tumblr has been very relentless lately, snatching off videos that um, violate the terms and conditions and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, that was over a, you know, certain period of time. And I was like, okay, I amassed these followers and I want to keep them engaged, but I don't know what to do. So I started creating different infographs about edging and um, just different, giving different tips, you know, tidbits here and there you know, different lubes to use. It was just stuff that just came out of my head or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people were actually interested in it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty dope. I'm like, that's what's up. <laughs> and then it, uh, what, last year, I kind of made a joke about, like, maybe I should do a podcast or something like that. And people were like, yeah, do that shit. Do that podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, y'all want a podcast about masturbation? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it uh, started this year. It's called Bait Nation. Um, right now it's on SoundCloud, but it'll soon be on iTunes. And it just talks about male sexuality, sexual health, and, of course, masturbation, because that's pretty much the um, theme of my Tumblr blog is just male sexuality and, you know, male empowerment through solo love. And with all of that, I was also able to create an online bait group called the Wank Squad. So shout out to my Wank Squad. I hope y'all watching. If not, I'm going to cut y'all asses. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to bring right now it's a group of 60 men. It's an online group. And we do monthly conferences where we do group discussions um, at the same time jacking off, which is kind of sounds weird, but it's actually a good way to kind of bond and bring each other together. So it's kind of have what I call my jack and chat sessions where we have topics about whatever. And again, we just on the phone, like 15 guys just talking and stroking. And then I also kind of got into uh, bait coaching. And when you think of bait coaching or when I've heard of bait coaching, um, it's like masturbation coaches. I haven't heard of many black masturbation coaches. I'm only aware of mostly, you know, white male masturbation coaches. And I realized what I was doing was basically coaching. And with the advice I was giving, people were actually receptive and benefiting from it. So I'm like, okay, let me get into this. So with my group, sometimes I'll do a big coaching session where it's kind of like yoga for your dick. Basically, where I, <laughs> I basically take you through different, you know, breathing techniques and I uh, just instruct all the guys on the phone of what to do and how to kind of prolong their edging sessions. Because my specialty is helping dudes last as long as possible, like at least up to an hour. So if you're usually good for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, I can help you at least get to an hour or even an hour and 30 minutes or longer. If you just follow my instructions well enough, you'll be good to go. Yes, I think that's the... The title is going to be Yoga for Your Dick. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> All of your sons for your dick. All of them. Yes. Just no. downward facing dick. That's. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean. Oh, but no, I did, I, I did have a few questions because um, 
yeah, you know, we it's like we said about a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking about having you on. And um, we did just, like, throw out a bunch of questions then, and I'm sure some will come up now. But um, one, I think, I might have been tossing back and forth with Derek was about, like, uh, first masturbation stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, I Which goes to that whole thing about, am I doing it wrong? Right. <laughs> right. Because I have heard some weird ones. I mean, um, you know, like, I've heard of someone who started masturbation basically by rubbing mm-hmm. on their mattress. And I guess, you know, okay. they just continue to do that through, I mean, so that's how they masturbate. And I was like, what? You put, like, his hand between the mattress and rubs, you know. But, um. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know. I didn't know. That was <laughs> Owls, beach like balls, that balloons. <laughs> you know, it's just creating that friction. Yeah. You know, and so that's a good way to have a hands-free orgasm is just by, you know, especially if you're uncut, it's just a good feeling to kind of just grind your dick up against different objects. So it's not as weird as it may sound. It actually is pretty common. Um, I I know of someone that started masturbating by actually piling a bunch of clothes and towels together Mm -hmm. and just sticking their erection in the clothes and just basically humping a pile of clothes. And they were able to orgasm that way. So it's it's not really that uncommon. And I'm sure if you go on XTube and just, uh, uh, like, what, search for guys humping, you're going to see guys humping a whole bunch of random ass objects. And (laughs) I'm here for it. Like, you know, if you want to hump a pumpkin, go ahead. I know some people like like to fuck melons. I'm like, all right, then. Yeah, I think I saw the watermelon. Make sure, you know. Vegan flashlight, basically. Okay, so how, how about this? Uh, all right, so this was my first masturbation. Uh, okay. And, and don't ask me how this came. Don't ask me how I did this. When I it's was cool. thinking, I was 13 years old. All right. I wound up doing it with a wicker clothes basket. Okay. It had a top, it had a lid on it. And the first time I did it, it really shaved. So the next time, I always took two towels, and I put one towel on the lid, on the lid, and one towel on my dick, and then I closed the top down, and I just went, you know, I the went time. for glory. <laughs> and the clothes got much dirtier than anybody realized. <laughs> a bit sticky, probably. It's all good, you know. They get washed. <laughs> oh no, no. I said that. Um, no, I, I said there was like some um, some point at which I thought I invented masturbation. I was like seven or eight. I was like, it's like, oh, I can simulate. <laughs> I thought I was an innovator or something. I was like, because <laughs> nobody actually like talked about it, you know. Um, and that's what, one of the things we were actually getting at was, um, I guess there was later a later point in um, when I was in high school. Um, I went to this uh, all male boarding school for like blind students, right? Okay. And <laughs> so this is a longer story than I thought it would be. But, um, but oh, no, yeah. basically um, it was a common occurrence for people to walk in on their roommate masturbating. <laughs> so it was just funny how um, how it came up so often, you know, people's uh, misconceptions about masturbation or uh, thinking that... Oh, masturbation is so common. Yeah. <laughs> In my first episode, I talked about it's um the episode, first episode of Debate Nation is let's talk about masturbation, yeah. and a lot more people do it than we think. Um, like a lot of people, even your grandma and granddad are probably still doing it, and it's all good. Like, uh, guys have at least admitted like sixty-seven, I think, to ninety-four percent of men 
have admitted that they at least jacked off once. The rest of them are just lying, basically. Um, <laughs> and about 43 to 85% of women um, have admitted to at least masturbating once. Um, and then again, as you get older, people over there, you know, like over the age of 70, they still do it. So it's more coming. I think it's just a matter of how we put censorship or we try to make things more taboo. Like even when we were kids and, you know, we we're just kids, we didn't know anything. We would just put our hands at our pants and stuff like that. Our parents would smack our hands and tell us that that's dirty. That's wrong. But we have to wash ourselves anyway when we go into the shower or, you know, bathe and things like that. So it's always been ingrained in us that us enjoying our bodies is wrong if we're doing it just, you know, ourselves. And that's not true. You should be able to enjoy every part of your body by yourself with others and whatever. So what is like, I guess your most common question you might get? It's a matter of how to like, either I'll get a question about how to last longer Mm -hmm. or a question about like just different techniques, just based on, you know, dick size, dick length, cut, uncut. So different stroking techniques. And that's for the most part just how to last longer or like, can I get in a squad, <laughs> basically? <laughs> but for the most part, I get an array of different questions. I also get questions about, you know, if a dude's dick is itching and I talk about jock itch or, you know, candida and things like that, you know, because no one wants an itchy dick. Like, that's not fun. <laughs> um, yeah. I get questions about uh, just feeling like sexuality and trying to navigate the whole spectrum of it. Like if you identify as straight, but you want to jack off with your buddy and things like that, does that make you? And I try to explain that, you know, we're on a scale, you know, sexuality is complex and it's fluid. So you shouldn't feel weird if you want to just sit like side by side or just watch a porno together and do that. Like that's the kind of thing that I missed out on when I was like um, growing up. Um, You know, some dudes have their crew of friends they do things with or whatever. Yeah, right. And, like, and I tell people, if you think folks in your fraternity ain't doing some or in the military, if they're just not sitting like you, you weren't invited basically <laughs> to that party at all. If you said, "Oh no, shit, I don't do that," I'm like, no, you weren't invited, bro. You didn't make but, the list. Right. You didn't make the list. I'm sorry, you can't make the list. It just fucked up, but you know it happens. I think of when I think of masturbation, it can be very intimate, but it can also be. I, I use it as a bonding method for men, especially black men, to come together because I know we feel muted sometimes where we can't express ourselves sexually, especially with other black men because it's always going to be perceived as gay and things like that, but. From what I've realized over the years, it really is a bonding tool. You know, you sit back, oh, okay, you got a dick too. Let's compare and all these things like that. It kind of brings you closer together. And, you know, I'm sure that, I mean, I, I know it's more common than we think that it's not happening, but it happens. And it's just a matter of how you navigate those boundaries, uh, what you discuss and how you feel about it after the fact. Because if you're starting, to, if you feel guilty every time, then you need to reevaluate that. You, it should be a pleasurable experience no matter what. And if you're secure in your masculinity or secure in just who you are, enjoy it. Like, you know, everyone should have at least one bait buddy in their life, or at least one bait experience just to see what it's like. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to go start sucking each other's dicks and things like that, but at least have that moment where y'all can sit side by side, watch a porn together, talk shit, play video games, eat wings, and just jack off, have a spades party. I, that's my that's my fans. I want to have a spades party. Right? <laughs> oh wow! I want to have a spades <laughs> party with some wings, a bunch of porn, and we all like wearing jock straps and those long socks with the you know rings around. You know, just just good time. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh god. That's a good a, time was had by I'm all. Stupid. No, no, no. no I, I, you. Um, I would say there needs to be cheesecake with the wings. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, we got cheesecake. Look, no, it's whatever you want. I, 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 have, I, have, I have a question. <laughs> Go ahead. What, um, 
what lube goes well with chicken wings. Because <laughs> oh, usually would... once you get that lube on your hands, you got to go take a Silkwood chemical rinse. <laughs> no, well, you know, go vegan with it. I mean, if you're not allergic to coconut oil, coconut, I swear by coconut oil. Use coconut oil or... Here's a tip. You can boil flax seeds. Boil flax seeds, and after a while, it creates a goopy, luby consistency, and you just strain it, and it creates a vegan type of lube. Shut the wow. fuck door. Are you serious? <laughs> That's why I'm coached, nigga. Let me stop. <laughs> yeah, but you boil it, and after a while, it creates a very luby consistency. You strain it, and you have... I've heard about that with yams before, but never with flaxseed. <laughs> yeah, flaxseed. Okay, I, I got to check that out. And if you want to, like, you know, try to disinfect and stuff, just drop a little bit of Everclear. It's, okay. it's alcohol, you know. It's, and Everclear kills everything because it's just... Because it's just pure alcohol. Right. Basically. So, yeah, and there you can keep that in for, like, six months in the fridge. I was going to ask how eat. long it lasts. Wow, okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Yeah. All right. I feel good now. I feel all right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, um, yeah. Just don't use hot, hot, hot sauce and all that. Don't do that. Don't burn your dick off. Oh, no, 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 no. No hot sauce, no sriracha. Don't. <laughs> so there was this one time with me and a couple other people and some flaming hot Cheetos, but I'm not going to get into that story right now. That's not, that's not important for what we're talking about. No, I think the worst situation I've heard oh. with that is when people use uh, Icy Hot. Uh, I don't oh. understand that. Oh, no, that's I think that's awful. more of like a challenge. Like people. Well, I think that's. I, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> okay, we just lost Eric. I think it's internet. Oh, the truth. The truth. <laughs> yeah, he was here to say something. <laughs> I didn't need to be. Said. I mean, where did you kind of uh-huh. go and pick up a lot of these kind of alternative things that might not be known by the you know public or even you know. <clears throat> put out there like by you know mainstream sex education kind of environment so i mean where did you pick up this kind of knowledge base so around 19 is when i started um exploring my sexuality okay. you know i already knew that i was into guys and things like that but i started like going on you know before the apps and all that you know we had adam for adam online and like a chat and all that stuff like that right and so that's where i kind of started getting into things but i knew that I wasn't ready for certain elements of sex- sexual interaction, like penetrative sex and things. And I had to figure out some sort of way for me to still get pleasure with another male without feeling like I had to rush into any things. Cause it's like, I, I was, I feel like I was a late bloomer anyway. You know, folks are already fucking like around 15, 16 and shit like that or whatever. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, when I'm gonna graduate. So it's, so I started navigating that and I start before that I, I taught myself at the edge at the age of 16. So I, I really did a lot of research online, like uh, a good website for anyone that's interested in all things jacking off is jackinworld.com. Hmm. They're a very good website. It's, it's been around forever. And that's where I kind of went to learn just about edging. Cause at first it was called the stop and go method. You know, you work yourself up to a point of orgasm, but you don't come before you get to that point where you're about to just stop everything, take your hands off and just wait for however long you can. And so, you know, I tried to go into that with my profiles and I was told I wasn't normal. I was told that I was weird because I wanted to date and get to know dudes and all that stuff like that. But so I was like, you know, I just want to connect with whomever. So I started putting, I want to jack off partner and all these things like that. And some dudes actually responded. So that's how I kind of got into it and learning more about not just mutual hand jobs being safer or fraudage. You know, that's when you grind your dicks together, you know, right. 
uh, or grinding on uh, different types of body parts. And from there, I just started doing more and more research because I actually enjoyed it. And again, I still wasn't ready to fully engage in penetrative sex because, you know, that's the thing. The beautiful thing we have as human beings is um, agency. We have hopefully the choice and what we want to do with our bodies. And I know for me, I wasn't ready for certain elements of that. You know, getting hit was cool and all that stuff like that. But um, I just started learning more and more and doing a lot of research. The internet was my friend, man. Like yeah. learning about these different spaces. And with the Bader community, especially the Black Bay community, it's so small. And so you do have to kind of dive deep in and like navigate different spaces. So I had Jack and World. There was also a website called Advanced um, Male Masturbation Techniques, but I don't think they have that website anymore. And, you know, with Tumblr nowadays, like there are so many bait blogs out there where you can learn so much information. And thankfully, I'm one of those blogs that can at least give as much information as possible because there are a lot of men that may not enjoy penetrative like anal sex because I've talked to them. They and they feel like they're obligated to engage in it, whether they're topping or bottoming. And I'm like, no, you can have like the thing is our, our, our organs are external. So all we got to do is jerk it and things come out. So you can enjoy that with someone else by using your hands. You can do that by grinding. You can do that just by nipple play, foot fetish, whatever it is. You can play. There are so many ways to play. And I think we've been so desensitized by porn because we see all we see like big dicks and ass and all that stuff like that. where we feel that's like the norm and it's not. And it puts a, it, it stunts our growth sexually because we're not able to explore the things we want to explore. And even with this year, I got more into doing like HIV outreach. Mm-hmm. And have, you know, HIV awareness. And it's just it's for me, I feel like it's a safer alternative to a lot that we may engage in already. And I feel like just sitting, jacking off and enjoying each other's bodies and just that body contact is just as intimate and fun as, you know, yeah. as just fucking, you know, teaching masturbation techniques or, you know, talking about masturbation is one of those things where, you know, you are teaching someone to seek their own pleasure, I guess. You know, so, right. you know, not even if it was to engage in partner sex that, you know, people at least, um, you know, are talking about or, you know, actively telling their partners what it is that they really want rather than just, you know, meeting the expectations that they think other people have, you know. And that's why I try to explain to anyone that's in my group or just in general, it's very important that we learn to communicate our desires. Because when we get in situations that we're not comfortable with and we can't voice those feelings, we end up doing things that we don't enjoy. But if you can go, you know, I always say when you meet up with someone, like there's a vibing process. So I know we want to do the quick hookups and things like that. But if you can exchange numbers, have a text dialogue, talk about the things you enjoy, leave with the things you enjoy, and then they'll open up the dialogue for the things you don't enjoy. Um, And then once you get to that point where y'all meet up, still discuss those things again, just to reiterate it. Cause when you're horny, you forget a lot of shit. And, um, <clears throat> and the good thing that I enjoy about the whole masturbation and Friday thing is it opens it up for all men, you know, cause we feel like, especially those who are HIV positive and they feel like they're untouchable. That's a lie. You know, that's a lie. You can be just as intimate as you want to be because you, feel what you feel. You shouldn't feel like you couldn't express yourself sexually. And that's what I enjoy about, you know, baiting and fraudage and things like that. You still have to worry about your STIs and STDs and things like that. But as far as just engaging in the body contact and being close, at least that other fear of like, you know, infect, you know, being infected or affecting someone is not there or it shouldn't be. It should be just a mutual thing where y'all can just get together, bond and enjoy each other's company. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, 
it would be perfect to be like oh someone because you know dudes tell me that they're positive and things like that i'm like okay cool i mean all we do is checking off and probably grinding so i'm good it shouldn't be like oh no it's just just and i think a lot of us miss out on great partners because of those reasons and it's it's unfair i think what you said makes a lot of sense because i mean being someone that actively works with people that are hiv positive and just in general um that's a conversation that a lot of times people do say that they don't have that conversation about safer alternatives i mean and it's one of the reasons why in our communities like you said out of sometimes obligation because i mean i've had people that say you know well i felt like i had to engage in sex not necessarily because i wanted to but because that's the norm or that's the standard and i don't want to be looked at as kind of outside of the uh, outside of the norm so they end up doing things that put them at risk and then ultimately they end up infected and then after that there becomes a whole nother dynamic that takes over and you know it is a thing about what you're saying is what i'm hearing and i like is that you know there's an empowerment element here that allows you to still have that pleasure that you want and be able to engage in that right. without necessarily having to conform to these ideas that a lot of us have around you know our sexuality is only based in whether or not we are basically top bottom getting screwed or, or doing the screwing so you know there's other alternatives that we don't talk about and um i think it's a good conversation to have yeah. Yeah. It's a matter of just open up your mind and saying, okay, there are many ways to play. It's like a lot. It's just many ways to play. So it's not just the you know same old just penetrate because you can pen- you can penetrate an armpit if you want to. Shit, just slide the dick in between somebody's armpit and have a good time. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> it's just different things like that. And the beautiful thing about masturbation for me are so in tune with yourself. You discover more things you like. You discover your own random fetishes. I have an underwear fetish. I didn't discover that until probably like a few years ago when I'm like, you know what? I like jock straps. I'm not like jacking off in jock straps. I like, you know, this, that, and the third. Um, after I came from the gym one time, I like gave myself a good sniff up under my arm. I'm like, this is actually arousing. So I would like just go at it and sniff myself so I'm into man scent. And these are things I learned about myself so that when I am with someone, I can incorporate those things with them. I can talk to the, talk to people or whomever I'm engaging with about those fetishes and you know, yeah. if you gotta learn if you got a foot fetish, like looking at your feet, have a good time. Yeah. What up, Lonnie? <laughs> hey. Uh, so this, this this let me look around, make sure ain't nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So so this bait thing, so this is like what you do instead of having penetrating sex? Is that what I'm understanding? Because no, it's an alt- it's just this. an alt- <laughs> oh no, it's an alternative. I'm not saying that like, oh no, I don't engage. Like, no, I'm not anti-anal or anything like that. What my goal is just to uh, express that there are just other ways to have fun, you know, anal and things like that. It's not like, oh, you have people that don't engage in it at all. They're just some people that just don't like. They've tried it, they don't like it, so they like fryers better. So you have a community of fryers. That's like a community that feels underrepresented as well. You have people that call themselves solo sexual. All they want to do is just jack off. That's all they enjoy. Okay. You have dudes that just like to, you know, fucking have anal and vaginal sex. And that's cool too. Then you have people that just like to have to do as much as they can to enjoy their body as is, whether it is engaging in penetrative sex, whether it is fraudage, whether it is just masturbating or whatever. So it's not a matter of, you know, being anti anything like that. Like even the guys in my group, Everyone comes from a different walk of life. There are people in relationships. There are people that enjoy anal sex. They enjoy vaginal sex. They enjoy all kinds of sex. But the thing that brings us all together is also our love of masturbating. That's what brings us together is to be able to bond as brothers in that element. We can talk about the things that, you know, 
things that kind of, you know, cripple us to not feel like we're as free as we want to be. But it's not a matter of being anti, you know, penetrative sex whatsoever. How, like, like I saw a video where some guy was sitting in this chair and what mm-hmm. he was just doing was, it looked like he was just moving his legs uh, to the left and right as fast as he could and he was able to have an orgasm. Now, for somebody who doesn't have any foreskin, how can I have one of those orgasms where I'm sitting in the goddamn chair pushing my legs back and forth or whatever and to the point of having an orgasm? Is that even possible? Hands, okay, hands-free orgasms My mind ain't that strong. My mind ain't that strong. <laughs> it's, but it is possible. It really is possible. And I think when we think of hands-free orgasms, we think that there shouldn't be anything around us. Like, there are different ways to have hands-free orgasms. For him, maybe he was, like, kind of constricting different areas or doing pelvic floor, like, kegel things, and, you know, while doing that. But there, you can have, basically, if you want to kind of get into hands-free orgasming, you're going to have to kind of abstain from jacking off. I mean, This is for oh, first-timers. Oh, abstain from no. jacking off for at least i would say three or four days or however how horny you can get this is for your first time doing it and because you are going to be very very aroused to the point where everything is sensitive and then that's when you start just you have to sit and it did it takes focus then this is just for me it takes focus it takes like deep breathing and you really have to focus in on the fact that it's just you and your dick and your heart and you kind of just allow your five senses to take over, like let the wind touch your, you know, feel the wind as it's like touching your dick and things like that. Make sure you, you know, flick your dick up and down. If your nipples are very sensitive, this is a good time to play with your nipples. Play with them. They're very sensitive. Right. (laughs) And that's what I do, bro. But no, you play with your nipples or, you know, if you want to even do prostate stimulation with your finger or an arrows or dildo and things like that, you know, that's still a hands-free orgasm because you're not jacking yourself off. There are some people that like to wear, you know, cock rings or wear um, very tight underwear that kind of restricts things. And that's how they can kind of move around a little bit without touching anything. And they can still orgasm. So you've probably seen videos where dudes either have their dick sticking out like the whole of the boxer briefs or underwear or they have some type of thing wrapped around it. It's creating some sort of friction for them to have that hands-free orgasm without actually touching themselves. If any of that makes sense whatsoever. But it takes focus. Oh, it takes practice. Sense. <laughs> it takes practice though. Ooh. Yeah. So how how can someone like well, let's say if I get in like well let's say I get into a relationship mm-hmm. and my partner like like me, there is like a whole side of me that I'm exploring right now. And mm-hmm. I have such a mental block with inviting somebody into that to that space where I'm like, okay, well I want to try this toy and see how this works. Like, how exactly can I go about having that conversation with somebody without them like, oh, this bitch is freaky. It's not, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> um, let's look, and this, that It's all about just communicating those things beforehand. I, uh, I would say I was in a relationship for three years. And for at least the first two, like, well, we met in like a Yahoo group. So it was kind of like it was already a group dedicated to dudes like to jack off and stuff. And so that kind of, we already had that in common. So like within that relationship, that's what we're into. But for someone who's not really, I guess, understanding of that, it's a, it's, it's just a conversation to have some kind of freaky way. Um, like, like, is it supposed to, like, are you supposed to like introduce them to that side of you like slowly or is it that you're supposed to let them know, Hey, this is me, take it or leave it type of thing. Well, uh, I'll say, is it, go, go ahead. Um, only because this is not so much a masturbation question as mm-hmm. a relationship question. Yeah. 
I, and, and again, as I have said many times before, you know, why are you getting naked with somebody that you can't talk to? Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, for me, for me, it is kind of like a masturbation question because I have a block when it comes to like, I'm not going to sit up here and jack my dick when I got somebody here to do it. Like I, like I have such a mental block with jacking my dick to have an orgasm when I'm with somebody, but I don't have a problem with it when I'm by my goddamn self. Like I can just boom. But when somebody else is there, it's just like, oh, okay. Just and you know what? Yeah, and it's the reverse of those who enjoy Look at the look behind him like he hits the wall every time. Right. <laughs> I, I just wonder if anybody else caught that. Yeah, <laughs> I got skills the Matrix. All right. It's, it's a good question to ask. It's a matter of, and I, I think more so in this day and age, like with profiles and apps and things like that. I know we usually like to list the things we're into already, but sometimes we want to be subtle. It's just one of those late night conversations you have while y'all in the whole vibing process where you talk about the things you like and don't like. That's how you kind of open up and get to know a person more. If, you know, if you feel like you can't express that to them, then maybe that's not someone, you know, that you, and, and, and my thing is like, you know, just be in a room like or watching porn and just make, get caught jacking off and see what they do. See if they, you know, want to sit there and be a voyeur and watch or see if they want to join in or whatever or try to be. It's a way to be subtle and sexy and just be like, hey, you want to join me jacking off real quick or something like that and kind of make it a sexual experience to make it more fun that way and not feel like you have a mental block about it. Because sometimes some and it's just not for couples. I say that people like people like to jack off um, in the relationships and store that that doesn't make you not love your partner any less. Sometimes you just need to get reacquainted with your own body. It's not a matter of like, okay, I don't need you right now. It's just like, I need to kind of reacquaint myself or re-familiarize myself with the things I enjoy about myself so that I can be a better partner to you when we get together. Mm -hmm. If you want to watch me get into it, cool. If you want to help me out or playing with my balls and stuff like that, cool, whatever. I'll help you out. I want to invite you into my world and the same thing, be open to what they're into as well. It's reciprocal. Yeah. You know, both of y'all have to kind of play off of each other because, you know, you may have folks that are into feet. And they may not ever admit that, but they love it when you put on socks and stuff like that. I'm like, you in the feet, bro? You you in the feet? I can put some socks on for you or whatever. You know, just mm -hmm. kind of, that's a good way to bond and kind of bring each other together by exploring those, you know, miscellaneous fetishes and things that turn you on. You know, if y'all yeah. want to go to a bookstore together, do whatever. Go jack off in public. But this is the other oh, thing I would say. Um, hold, on, on. hold on one second, Malcolm. Hmm, uh, you got a Q&A. Jay Wan Blackman said... Uh, Lonnie, that all depends on the individual and how the conversation's context is presented. It's all about communication. Yep. Yeah. Communication yeah, so but important. This is more like okay, a, I, I think for me, it's more of a mental block for me, like to jack off with somebody. Like, I, I think I just have a mental, like I can do it by myself, but with somebody else there, it's just, I can't do it. Where do you Mom, think that block well, comes from? I was going to ask that, Lonnie. I mean, is it that, that you can't jack off with them or they are you feel like because somebody is there that you have to engage in the other activities? Honestly, I, I, I don't I, I don't think it's that. Like, I'm sitting there, like, just jacking and jacking and jacking. I'm just like, okay, this shit ain't. Yeah. Yeah, we froze like for a second. But I, um, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, um, you know, put it in the frame of mind, I had a conversation with someone about uh, the fact that they basically only only engaged in penetrative sex you know that was one mm -hmm. of the um things i was talking about from an old high school friend who you know that's what he's he told me he said he doesn't masturbate like if he's 
uh, coming. It's like in, it's gonna be in a vagina, <laughs> you know, like it's okay. a straight friend of mine. Um, but I just said like this, like um, he doesn't consider anything else oral masturbation or anything sex. And I said, I basically said to him like you probably would get because he's um he's married, and I was you know saying to him like you probably would get laid more if you opened up your definition of sex. Yep. You know because I, I'm just start saying like. The whole point is to get to pleasure. I'm sure there are other things that are pleasurable other than just penetrative sex. So, um, because if every time you said you wanted to have sex meant I'm getting fucked, we probably are having less sex. <laughs> just yeah. Because I'm just saying there are just times you just tired. You don't want to get fucked. I mean, <laughs> but you know, I tickle the balls while masturbating. As I tell, as I tell people, sex, sex for me, sex with me is about the journey, not about the destination. Yeah. So I was just I was just telling my friend that you know if your definition of you know sex change you probably get more sex like you know mutual masturbation yeah. like if you both get a nut then it seems like sex to me but he That's doesn't go yeah the <laughs> so. goal is to have a good time with each other and yeah it is about the journey not the actual destination it's about yeah. what is fun and I do agree that your friend may need to open up his definition definitions of sexual activity because that's pretty limiting if all you need is vaginal intercourse and that's all so you don't jack off at all so you're gonna always be stressed yeah you're gonna be horny you're gonna be frustrated yeah um you're gonna be just ready to like flip tables because I get like that all the time yeah you're gonna have to clear and even if you don't clear the pipes you may experience nocturnal emissions some I still experience nocturnal emission or wet dreams where you just yeah. bust nothing in your sleep or whatever so your body's trying to get shit out so help it along and the thing is he may actually increase certain things or like actually discover new things if he just jacks off he may learn new techniques of how to stroke yeah he may be able to last longer than he usually does or yeah. he may just know learn different ways or he's able to communicate with his wife like okay i need you to stroke me like this and that to kind of spice things up so if it's just the same old stuff of course it's going to kind of get boring after a while yeah or whatever so yeah. You may want to expand that whole situation because masturbation actually helps not only you but the people you interact with sexually. Yeah. In a sexual encounter, know how to seek your own pleasure. I mean, you're gonna care about what the other person is, uh, you know, feeling and everything. But uh, I guess that's my thing with uh, masturbation, like knowing how to please yourself, definitely right. helps in the uh, process of, you know, pleasing someone else. Because anything can happen. Things can go left. And you just got to figure, you, it's kind of like you just got to figure out a way to navigate through that and still seek pleasure and hopefully still be considered the other person's pleasure, but at the same time still get your own. Because I hate to be in situations, the base situations where you're not enjoying it. Yeah. And you're just there just because you're hard and horny. And, you know, at that point, when you really are aroused, most things can be kind of attractive anyway, but you're still like mentally not there to be fully engaged. Right. And you want to still, even in that, if it's just like a mutual bait buddy situation, you still want to find enjoyment somehow in some kind of way, whether it's the porn y'all are watching or the conversation y'all are having or whatever, you want to find pleasure in it. And it's important in any type of sexual activity to find that pleasure as best as you can and be able to enjoy it together with the person or at least try to enjoy it with yourself right. while the person's there. Yeah. I think one of the things we were talking about was, um, you know, those people who, um, say who have masturbated or had you know solo sex for so long that typically they just need um some sort of like toy or porn to get a nut you know and then their mm -hmm. partner feeling like some sort of way because they're not enough i remember i think we might have uh, had that conversation derek about 
you know, people who, I, you know, I think we were just talking about, like, if you introduce porn into a, you know, a scene between two people feeling that, uh, you know, the use of the porn is saying, like, I am not enough to get it, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I remember um, uh, analogous well, I, to... I, I, I mean, go ahead. No, I was going to say that I remember hearing of an analogous situation where it was basically a woman who said, uh, you know, probably like 50% of the time she needs a vibrator to get an orgasm. But the idea of like pulling out an orgasm, you know, pulling out a vibrator with his boyfriend or with her boyfriend, um, you know, just killed the mood because he felt like he wasn't enough, you know. Um, well, that kind of, and again, that kind of falls to his um, his self-esteem mm-hmm. and his self-worth because the question is, do you want to participate in a situation where you get that person to that moment of joy? Right. Exactly. You know, yeah, does, um, it, does it really matter how they got there? Right. Now, I have, a, I, you know, I, I've heard a few conversations where I think you have to take it on a case-by-case thing. Like, yeah. I've heard situations mm. where people have to get high in order to have sex or they have to get drunk in order to have sex. That's not something I'm going to participate in. And that's not so much about me as it is about you. Because the person that I'm with, I want them to be in control. I don't want them to be I want them to be lucid. I don't, you know, want them to be sloppy drunk or whatever. Right. You know, while I'm yeah. trying to fuck you. That's just I feel I'm taking advantage of the person and no. Right, but some of this can be called like, uh, like I know in the beta community, things like that. Especially if you're solo with people, it's called bait fuel, which is your porn or anything that is like a sensory stimulator to enhance your situation. And so, even if your partner, think of it as something to enhance the situation. Don't make, don't, don't feel like you're less than because someone wants to break out a butt plug or you know break out a vibrator. It's like if they're pulling this out, they're comfortable enough to let you know, hey, this also brings me pleasure. Bring it on in, you know, hold the tool if you want to stimulate other parts of my body while I'm pleasuring myself, still be present because they want you present there. You know, unless they just basically saying, I don't want you here. I'm just going to use my toy. But if they're not saying that, they want you part of this experience. So if so, if your partner is just breaks out a deal and starts using it, help them with it. Start yeah. helping them, you know, get up in there if they want to or, you know, jack them off or whatever. Like it's, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're still adults. But back in the day when we had a whole bunch of toys, we had a good time. Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing in a, in a sexual, you know, it's just this time we're butt naked, so yeah. we get all these toys to play with, and we can do this all night long. You know, I could try some on you, you can try some on me, we can see what works, what doesn't work, and it's supposed to be a fun experience. I think sometimes we miss the whole fun element of sex. Yeah, it should be fun. Like sometimes you just want to crack a joke and laugh in the middle of it. Sometimes I like doing that because I'm just stupid. But <laughs> right. you want to have a good time, and that's the goal overall to have a good time. You know, play with your toys. You know. Play with the different oils and massage oils and stuff like that, and you know, blindfold. It's it makes things just more interesting, and you learn so much stuff about your partner with the different things you pull out, and and you have to be receptive. And again, communication is so important when it comes to those things. Like if I'm with someone now, they pull out like a toy or a flesh jacket or something like that. I'm like, you got an extra one, or do you want to like double penetrate it, or what you want to do with it? You know, let's say being selfish, then we're gonna have a problem. But you know, it's something to talk about in the you know. I say talk about these things beforehand so you'll know, get a heads up of what they're into and then learn, you know, a few more things along the way about each other as a couple. Yeah. Or, you know, how many people you invite into the party, party it up, 
<laughs> you know, just make sure you have towels and trash cans and shit, or we'll see you won't you know make a mess on your carpet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trash cans or trash bags? I mean, trash bags. You got me. You got me. You got me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was just checking. I'm taking notes. I was just checking. Well, you may need trash cans too. You don't know what all you're going to be using and throwing away, so you may need trash can. You never uh, know. What would you say um, would be the most common uh, misconception about masturbation? Um, and it's just like a random. No, that people that people who do it are lonely motherfuckers. No, mm. or that people who do it can't pull anybody. No, yeah, people. Who, that. Yeah, because you you know I guess you're supposed to always have somebody to do stuff with. Sometimes it just it's just not convenient. Yeah. You know, sometimes I just want to wake up and just jack off, have sometimes a good time by myself. Come home, right? The dope, uh, put on a, put on some jazz and <laughs> have a few hours with yourself. <laughs> it's, Enjoy it's kinda, yourself. Yeah, it's like people who like to sit and play video games. Some people like to sit and masturbate. Some people like to, you know, put puzzles together. I just like to jack my dick. It's 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 still a recreational for me or whatever. Or people, what's another one? People do have a mental problem. No, like, how does that happen? How does me jacking off make me mentally unstable because I like to stimulate myself or whatever? You know, so I've heard those things before. You know, lonely. How about the blind one? How about the, the blind? Oh, you go blind, your 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 palms get hairy, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't. <laughs> I never got I that one. Google is your best friend when it comes to certain things. Like, <laughs> have you seen someone's palms that like my hands should be like fucking on beast mode right now? But no, they're very baby smooth and soft, and they're just you know cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, just is- I am not a Wookiee. <laughs> but what what myths have y'all heard before? What what have y'all heard about people who just jack off a lot? Well, I mean the, like, the, the the whole going blind thing is what my grandmother started screaming the day she caught me. <laughs> yeah, and I should be blind um, too. Yeah, yeah, I should be blind. I should you know have hair. I should have enough hair <laughs> on my hands that you could braid it up that I could sell it down the street mm. at the African Hair Mart. Well, I guess mine. I've recently heard. I'm sorry. Can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The things that I've recently heard is that people that jack off a lot is that it makes you unable to function in a relationship with someone because you're pleasing yourself, and that's something that you and your partner should be doing. So that's what I've heard thus far. I've heard that too. That goes back. To, oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Oh, I go just ahead. think that goes back to communication again. You know, if 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 your partner is doing something that you don't like, then they need to be able to say, "I don't particularly care for that. I care for this." I don't think it's the partner that's saying that. It's people that are saying it. The ones that, you know, you may confide in somebody saying, "Hey, I like to jack off." Whatever. Like like us having this conversation right now, there may be somebody looking at it like saying, "Yeah, it does. It will cause a problem if somebody's always constantly pleasuring themselves." that will cause a problem in the future with them trying to relate to somebody else and trying to invite somebody else into, I guess, a relationship with them. Right, right. And honestly, that can be an issue for those who do it so much to where it kind of, um, their interaction with people becomes like kind of stale where they're so used to doing all these things with themselves. So sometimes it can be an issue where let's say if someone does try to stroke them off or something like that, they're used to their own stroke game that another hand kind of may feel far and it's just kind of reintroducing yourself 
um, to interact with people because it can possibly happen where if you do it a lot on your own constantly over and over again, when you do get with someone, you're still stuck in bait mode where it's just by yourself. And so you kind of have this whole vision where it's like it's just me and my dick or whatever. And you're kind of forgetting the other person there. Or sometimes it's hard to, you know, get to a point where it's kind of reverse where. You know, you say well, if someone's there, you can't jack off. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, well, if someone's there, you know, I'm not used to this all the time. I'm only used to just doing it by myself. So you have to, the person who does a lot, they have to kind of reintroduce themselves to, like, interacting with people. Because it can be done in excess to a point where it's like, okay, when I'm with someone, I can't get hard. Or I can't focus because this other person's here and stuff like that. And you have to kind of work out the best routine for you when you are with people or with the person, you know, whatever the sexual contact is. And again, it's always good conversation to have. Like, look, listen, I'm a beta at heart. I like to jack off a lot. So, you know, tell me the things you're in, especially if you're into pleasing other people, just say, Hey, what are you into and stuff? So I can help you get there. Cause I'm either way, I'm gonna be good, but I want to make sure that we both have a good time some kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Like introducing someone into your solo sex, you know, um, I, you know, that's that's the thing I was saying. Like, if that's what you do most of the time when you're trying to get a nut, I think for most people, you say, like, you know, orgasms that you've had with other people versus orgasms you've had alone, you know, mm-hmm. it's got to be like at least a 10 to 1 ratio. So, um, I don't know. Maybe that's just my gotta, And it's just freeing yourself. Like, I know when I first uh, started, you know, um, interacting with others and, you know, sexual activity, I was so stuck on baiting stuff. I didn't want to like, I guess freaking went out. Cause when I get to a point of orgasming, I tend to be very like hulkish. I like hulk out and I growl and stuff like that. And at first I'm like, this is weird. I don't want about to, you know, be freaked out. Now it's like, look, I'm about to flip some motherfucking tables, get ready, yell with me if you want to just get it in because it's, it's part of just accepting yourself and you know, what makes you the happiest when you are engaging in sexual pleasure. Um, and no, everyone's not going to get it. Everyone's not going to understand it. Everyone's not going to be into it. Some people are going to I'll pass, you know, go jack off by yourself, whatever, because yeah. it's, it's still unfortunate. Masturbation is probably more taboo than sex for some reason, because it's a solo act. And so we always associate these different things, with these stigmas on masturbation. So of course it's going to be attitudes towards it because mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about the myths and people thinking that you're a lonely bastard and all this stuff like that. Anyway, sometimes you just enjoy your body. It's body appreciation. It's think, especially thicker guys. You know, I've talked to many guys who are, you know, thick or bears and they, so we sometimes tend to not feel as sexual as we would like to at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and I appreciate Mel Media Mind for putting the images out there and stuff. But it's it's still, you know, thick men are winning, but we're not winning enough. And I think not it's necessarily with ourselves. Right. And that's the reason I want to come on here, because I'm not really my face is not really out there when it comes to the whole wank worthy thing or the coach wank thing. But I felt like the representation is important for us because we need to see more of us being more authoritative with our sexuality and embracing our bodies as is. You know, look, I'm not a butch queen sex sire walking the runaway. I'm not. But I'm still sexy in my own right, right? You know, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of Lipton tea, but somebody's going to take a sip, goddammit. So <laughs> you have to kind of embrace those things. And Yeah, I deal with insecurity sometimes. Like I said, I'm short, I'm stocky, I'm average, and all these things like that. But hey, as long as someone, I'm aroused by someone, they're aroused by me, then let's have a good time. And the beautiful thing about my group is that my group is comprised of men who are stocky, fit, skinny, or whatever, because we shouldn't have these restrictions on these bait groups. And I know that there are groups like that exist here in Atlanta where you have to be DL or you have to have a certain body fat ratio. You got to have a certain dick length. And it's just so much restriction where you're leaving so many 
potential guys out because they don't look a certain way. And that's not fair. You're missing out. Right. (laughs) The fun is in the body diversity. The fun is being able to explore different body types. And, you know, I love all bodies. You know, I I do because my weight's fluctuated over the years. One minute I was really small at one point. Now I'm thicker. And so I've been able to embrace myself at different sizes to know, like, either way, the pleasure is all the same. As long as it's a good vibe, we have a good time, we laugh and shit, we're good. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the representation of seeing us more out there, just being more sexual, more expressive, just showing the great things we can do just as thick men. We need more of that representation. It's so fucking important. It's yeah. important whether it's through porn, because the porn industry, I need to see more thick bodies. I need to see more. God, I can't even. I, I need I, to, I'm not even started on that shit. Uh, I, need to, I need to see more diversity. I need to see not just, you know, the wham, bam, they're going to suck your dick first. Then we're going to eat some ass and then we're going to fuck. I want to see other things. Like, that's why I love the, what was it, Black Wrestling Network. Where oh, it was just, God. You watch Black Wrestling Network? Bro, I'm a porn hoarder. I know it all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like I different see, things. Like, We're gonna, we gonna talk later after the show. <laughs> oh, we have a good time. I love some PWM. Mm. <laughs> right. See that too. Like just showing us in more erotic situations than just the typical, okay, we're gonna play PlayStation nigga, we're gonna be wearing our do rags and just fuck. Like, no, that's not everyone's dialogue, that's not everyone's story and narrative. Like, I want to see a story. Which I find, let me tell you, and I find that really sad because in the in the in the I guess nineties, when I first started buying black porn a lot of these stories were very similar and someone had to explain to me well here's the problem with black porn it's not made for you it's made for white men to enjoy black men having sex and I Mm. and and with that explanation I could kind of get you know with every movie that started with black whatever black workout black ballers black this like that whatever I kind of got that but then as you know the in the internet came about and we started right. making our own porn mm-hmm. I became and making porn for ourselves I became really you know disenfranchised because all of these stories started to look the same yeah you know and it's like okay yeah that's cute I have a picture and I think I sent Malcolm this picture once and I told Malcolm to use it he never did there's a picture of this guy it's, it's a bear laying on a hardwood floor and in front of him is a box of donuts, except for the three donuts that are laid up across his back. Okay. Now that is a whole scene to me right there. That shit's <laughs> hot as a motherfucker. That can go so many different places. <laughs> but won't nobody make that movie. You, you see these other, like you see men.com with all these this great production value. They do these parodies with X Men and Batman versus Superman. So I'm like, can we have our own like you know parody? I know there's a a pelt porn parody of Martin, but can we have one where Cole, Tommy, and Martin fuck each other? I, I'm here for that. You know, can we have those type of things? Like our our culture is so rich of great things that we should be able to produce porn that speaks to black gay men. Besides, you know, Bug Hunter. Yeah, you know, right. white guys going to the hood, picking up black men, and all shit like that, which is just terrible. Bait, bait bus, but <laughs> bait bus and things, or like, oh, or thug, you know. And this is no shade to like thug bait and stuff, like baiting guys. I'm like, oh, and see, people thought with, I guess, bait nation, they thought I was gonna like be baiting guys. I'm like, like actually baiting them on a the bus. I'm like, no, b a t e, not b a i t. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to bait somebody or trick somebody into sending me pictures and shit. Like, look, I got porn for days. I don't need you. <laughs> so it's. It's a matter of just kind of, I just hope, even if I can't do it, somehow we can kind of 
make that happen, where we show more body diversity, where we show different types of sexual acts besides just, you know, the same old, same old stuff to show that black men also enjoy fetishes. You know, there are black men that enjoy, you know, fisting or water sports or, you know, all these different things. Like, yeah, there are black men that actually enjoy that shit. And it'll be nice to see it between black men sometimes and other men of color, not just, you know, same old, same old stuff that we see that's made for other audiences and not us. You know, I would love to see more. I don't I want to see more like black men wrestling and, you know, that whole eroticism. I want to see more circle jerk vids. And I mean, the good thing I've been seeing on Tumblr is the uprising of videos of guys. You don't see their faces, but you see a lot of men getting together and jacking off on Tumblr. You see that a lot more now, which I'm all here for. I'm here for it. And I like to see more of it. Um, But at the same time, some of these these videos come from groups that may not be as accepting to different body types. So I would right. almost like to see a fucking uh, circle jerk vid of dudes who are thicker, dudes who are skinny all together doing the same thing. I want to see vids of dudes with different dick sizes having a good time with each other because we need to see that shit. Yeah. We need to see it. We need to see black men bonding on a sexual level that doesn't always include, you know, barebacking and stuff like that, which is cool, but just show us something that we're not used to seeing all the time. And then I'll be impressed. Yeah. I've seen it all. <laughs> I have a question. Go ahead. You, you are, you are extremely vocal, man. I'm very glad you're here about the way. And I know I you were a little nervous asking, about man. coming on board, but you know, you're doing a wonderful, <laughs> I just want to let you know, you're doing a wonderful job. <laughs> uh, have you gotten any negative responses? Any, negative um, feedback through what you've been doing? Um, Not negative feedback, more of disappointing situations. Um, Which isn't bad. Like, I haven't got any hate, thankfully. You know, I mean, if it comes, it comes, you know. And I would say it's just for me navigating this whole realm, I deal with a major depressive disorder. So to be someone that deals with depression and dealing in an arena of just sexuality and stuff and dealing with men and egos and male fragility and stuff like that, it can take a toll. So there have been times where I just wanted to quit being coach wank. I wanted to quit the Tumblr. I wanted to quit, you know, a fit, you know, being over the groups and stuff because it became to a, it, it got to a point where I, I didn't feel like I was feeding myself. I was helping others, but I wasn't helping myself. And I'm still at that point sometimes, but I have situations where for me, I've been trying to expand, not just having my online group, but I would like to create a local group here in Atlanta. And I let it be known, look here, I'm in, I'm in Atlanta. You know, you would think there would be a, a great opportunity. Unfortunately, no, because it seems to be things can be a bit cliquish when it comes to bait groups, which I don't understand because we're so small in the community that we should be able to kind of come together as a community and create something just like Atlanta Jacks and things like that and have it just for us to where we can get together. And, um, you know, you reach out to these individuals and they want to be like the kingpin, Vader. Of, I want to be the Oprah of Vader's. I want you to come cry on my shoulder and tell me your issues, you know, check up together. You know, I want to be a Yana Van Zandt, but I think Oprah's more official than Yana. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't, and it's just disappointment where you try to interact with other bait groups or, but I don't want to go into a store, but it was a situation where I was put into a bait group on Facebook. It's a secret Facebook bait group or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was put into it. I didn't actually be in it. And, you know, like three weeks passed, they had some rules that wasn't really explained. Three weeks passed, so I introduced myself to the group. 
Next, you know, I go back. I was removed after introducing myself. And the person who I thought I was cool with, I tried to explain to me, you had to show a picture and all that. I'm like, if you explain it to me, I would have been showing pictures and videos and stuff. I have no problem with that. It was just a matter of like, you have three admins. I'm one person. I'm able to run 60 dudes. You can't even explain to me your group rules and things like that. So what if I was really looking for a safe space of brothers to debate with? You just basically kicked me out and I have no safe space. And it's kind of ruined my whole idea of finding a safe space. Now I don't even want to bait with anybody. Yeah, and that's what I want back to do. Into my own personal you want me back. <laughs> right. Thankfully, I have my space or whatever. And the thing is, it, it's, it's not, hey, it's just more disappointment where people want you to coach them and things like that. Or people get flaky, like they want to meet up with you, but they kind of flake off. Or they'll just keep the dialogue going, but we never meet up. People just want to have the coach experience, but don't really want to get to know me or something like that. Like, I'm still looking for an actual buddy. Like, and by buddy, I do mean a friend where we do have our wings and stuff like that and play cards and stuff. And then, you know, sometimes we bait, you know, just a good time. Yeah. And this just been the hardest thing to come by because I've been vocal about it and I make it clear that I want to establish a local group. And it's just been difficult for some reason. But as far as hate, like you ugly and things like that. No, I mean, I probably kept caught some soul shade when people have followed me on Snapchat. Then I'll follow me. I'm like, look, I'm a pretty motherfucker. You know, sometimes I can, you know, be a little dusty looking. My hair can be uneven, but I'm still cute. <laughs> so. But I don't, it's never been any vocalized hate like I suck or something like that. And if it is, I mean, I don't hear it. So, yeah. That's good. How can people reach you and um, where are you located well, online? Be sure to check out soundcloud.com slash bait nation. That's B A T E N A T I O N, bait nation. It's a very fun podcast. I have a good time doing it. Right now, it comes out once a month, but I like to do that, you know, do it more often. But support is so necessary, especially with my Patreon account. I think it's with patreon.com slash bait nation podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at wankworthy. That's W A N K W O R T H Y. Um, also wankworthy.tumblr.com I now have an Instagram that's Instagram at Bait Nation I have a Facebook which is Bait Nation and I have my personal coach wank uh, Instagram that's private that's at wankworthy you know for folks who want to try and get nosy and look and shit but um, <laughs> yeah you can find me there I also have, I also have another gay outreach blog um, that's not about baiting it's just about being black gay in the south and that's BamaBoyBlues.com. That's Bama, B-A-M-A, B-O-I, B-L-U-E-S.com. So if you're looking for some more of like an outreach and talking about depression and trying to make it through, I would say check that out as well. And uh, just hit me up. Ask me questions on Tumblr. I'm always down. And you can always email me at Fat Facilitator. Oh, God, I have too much shit. F-A-P, <laughs> that's F-A-P-F-A-C-I-L-I-T-A-T-O-R at gmail.com. I'm tired. <laughs> all, all the addresses I know, I know. Right. That's why I like to have, like, whenever I have, I tell them, I say, you know, just go to mailmeandmind.com. There's a whole list of shit. I know. I need to have a central. I, central you know, we should have some merch. I wish I had some merchandise to sell. Like, I was talking about, maybe I should sell some used jock straps or something. I need to do yeah. something. Like, I need some money. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I, I don't, I don't, um, oh. I don't hawk my merch enough. I do. Yeah. like, you know, if you happen to be getting that new iPhone 7, we got cases in the store. <laughs> Typically, these episodes are 90 minutes, but because of our special guest, we're extending it an additional 30 minutes. And of course, if you want to see the entire episode, visit us on YouTube. Just search Mail Media Mind or visit MailMediaMind.com. Now back to the show. One of the topics I wanted to bring up was... Um, what was this? The, the football player, Colin Kaepernick? 
Okay, so if you're not aware of the story, and I'm, you know, always try to just explain it to people like they've never heard of it before, but I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of it, even though I purposely, you know, ignored the story for a long time. Um, I'm starting to find it a lot more interesting. So, uh, Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick <laughs> is a uh, uh, football player, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not a football person. <laughs> so I'm not a sports person at all. So before this, I'd never heard of him. I could barely tell you what football team was in San Francisco. I know nothing about this. Team. But um, apparently, I guess during a preseason game, um, in protest of the national anthem, he decided to stay seated while the rest of his team stood, you know, for the national anthem, which is played before every game. Uh, it should also be noted, because I guess later on in the story, it, they also have like a, a full, you know, I guess air show before each game, like the jets fly overhead. They have like a huge celebration. It's very super patriotic, these things before the games. And he decided to stay seated. And obviously I guess somebody had something to say. However, what I learned later on, because this was more than two weeks ago, um, is that that wasn't the first time he did it. It was the first time that someone asked him about it afterwards. You know, I guess he had been doing this for a minute, <laughs> like not, standing up for the national anthem, but nobody ever asked him why he was doing it. So I guess in the locker room, you know, later that day, you know, someone said, I noticed you weren't standing, and he explained it as saying that uh, he doesn't have any respect for the flag because they don't respect black people. When I'll stand when um, that flag means something to me or, you know, something like that. Um, he took a lot of flag for it. Um, some people say it might have even hurt his career, even though, he has a really good contract, so they can't fire him. But they, he was made into like a second-string quarterback. But a lot of people also said like he probably was going to be pushed down second string anyway. But this didn't help because <laughs> you had, um, you know, other teammates uh, going off on Twitter. You had people within the NFL uh, saying that he was being disrespectful. A lot worse than that. I'm, you know, Twitter and shit. But um. But yeah, so I guess this is two weeks later. Um, there are other teammates now who are kind of joining him in solidarity. Although now they're instead of sitting, they're taking a knee. Yeah, they're kneeling. Yeah, which is to say that um, this is something I guess born out of um, some military traditions, mm -hmm. and it's just saying like um, you want to point out the difference, but without saying there's any disrespect toward those who are in the military. So, and you know, I don't know. I, I think I first ignored it because I, of my own bias, in a sense, that I felt, what does Colin Kaepernick know about anything? <laughs> but then I actually saw about, you know, saw the interviews he was giving, and uh, it seems like a really intelligent brother. I'm just, <laughs> just put it out there that he is. Um, I didn't expect that. I was, I, I, it revealed some of my own biases. I just assumed. Football players are dumb. Dumb jock. <laughs> wow. I really was. I'm sorry. But he's he is a very intelligent guy. Has some decent arguments to make. Um, yeah, I mean, I got sort of educated about the National Anthem a little bit, which is uh, it was written by a, a, a slavery proponent who talks about killing slaves who escaped their masters. Yes. If you actually listen to the lyrics of the third that's verse. The third, that's the third verse that nobody yeah, it, ever plays. 
Yeah, and kind of disgusting. <laughs> He's kind of got a point. Um, but is, but is it is? But is it? It is. I mean, you have to re- you, you have to remember it's disgusting to us now. You, people first. Okay, so first of all, people get real caught up on law and legality and what's legal. And you have to remember that three, four hundred years ago, it was legal to own people. Yeah. What Rosa Parks, not Rosa Parks, what Harriet Tubman did was illegal. Taking people away from people, taking, stealing property, basically, and taking it over state lines. She was like gun running, but it was slave running. <laughs> yeah. you know, she would have been labeled a terrorist. It was she yes, been labeled it a <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, she was fucking with the status quo. Um, what I found interesting and what I continue to find interesting is when that story came out and people started saying, I don't understand why he's doing this. He was adopted by two white people. The fuck does that have to do with anything? And that, I mean, does that mean that he doesn't know anything about being a black man because he was adopted by two white people? Are you serious? Is yeah. this what's happening here? That was another side story. It should be noted that um, his birth mother came into this, came into the picture on Twitter because now that her son is famous or whatever. Um, so you know, actually saying that she disagreed with him doing this, and, oh, should, and it should be noted that his his um, parents, the parents who adopted him, are in full support of what he's doing. And so it was so weird that his bio mom and his birth, you know, his birth mom and his you know, adopted mother are kind of going back and forth with each other. It's weird. <laughs> it's really yeah, that is, well, that, I would, I would. You gave them up, so I don't really see what the argument is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, you like if you look at old boy that from Grey's Anatomy that did the speech at BET. I mean, he comes from the adoption of a, of a. Uh, he's. I mean, his mother, his his mother's white, his father's black, and he was educated still though on the basis of. The inequalities that you know we experience here in our country, and they forget before he was an actor, he was a teacher, and his no. whole thing was about talking about Black history, you know, just the whole African American experience, you know, yeah. understanding it from literally slavery all the way up until this point. So he was very educated and very valid in what he made, and people were talking about, oh, he's just another actor trying to be an actor. Yeah. No, he was very much doing this long before he got Grey's Anatomy, and he decided yes, to do acting. Yeah, and. and I was going to say the same thing is true of Colin Kaepernick because um, right. um, one of the and things the he talked him, about, I was going to say one of the things he talked about was, you know, he was very sensitive to race because he, he did grow up in a white family. You know, you take a family photo and yours is black kid, <laughs> clearly. Um, and you have family members, you know, like you said, his adopted parents were great, but not necessarily all of his extended family was necessarily, you know, I, you know, I would just say he was very... On a race conscious from an early age. Well, yeah. I think that raises the question. Right, right. Just because we might be raised in a black family, does that make us racially aware? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole another bias because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the whole idea around racism as a construct of, you know, being able to be used in a way to keep groups down, and that thing is a whole other concept. But we have racism that exists in our community that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about those issues. We still have these color things that we talk about, that paper bag test. We still have a lot of us 
that just even have biases against other people because they are different. And these are the conversations that as black people we need to start having when we start having these black life matters conversations, because it ain't just white cops that's killing us, first of all. Right, Let's be right. real about that. <laughs> and at the end of the day, this guy, yeah, he I mean, and he's been joining solidarity, I think, which is actually interesting by a lot of other athletes, from other venues, even one of the uh, soccer the female soccer player right. um, that started to do it, who was a lesbian, who said the same thing. She's white, but she's a lesbian and female. And she said the same exact thing. So in solidarity, a lot of people are joining him. And on the same note, they can say it hurt his career, but his jersey sold like over a million dollars in one yeah. week. Mm-hmm. And he decided to yep. take those proceeds and donate them. So, right. I mean, at the end of the day, they can say whatever they want. But a lot of people have kind of said, you know what? He's got a point. And I think that, you know, for him to be willing to be to take a hit yeah. like that potentially says a lot mm-hmm. about just who he is as a person and an individual, because I personally have a real issue with anybody that like we were just talking earlier about as it relates to even sexual and sexuality. Conforming for me is not good. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do just because you tell me I'm supposed to. I need to be able to understand why I'm doing. And we live in a society where if we conform, we're rewarded if we don't. We're looked at as being an outsider. So, I mean, I, I love them. I mean, I'm like you. I don't know a whole lot about football. I'm right. not a football fan. But this man right now, I'm in love with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I say, you know, he plays with balls. How bad can he be? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll just say. Uh, anyway, it's like we have that in common. <laughs> but now, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I just, I, no, I think he's a cool cat. Um, you know, like I said, he's written, he has an Instagram. I would follow him on Instagram. Uh, he says a lot of smart shit, um, and I can't help but just want to support him. Uh, so I, that was a nice surprise, and that's another one. Thank you, white people, for raising him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're good Socially white people. conscious and aware. Yes, I was like, that was the same that one. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> there are good white people who raised this dude to be socially conscious. Yeah. Anyway, I guess for me, what I find so interesting about all this. Is it, it seems like with Americans publicly, if you say kind of smart shit like that, they tend not to like you. Yeah. If you look at like Obama and other people who've kind of been that way, who may say something a little smart like that, that I know that people in general don't like you. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a smart dude. Like I think he, right. he graduated summa cum laude, like four point oh. He's a very he's smart guy. Kind of intelligent. <laughs> and shit. People tend not to like you. Right, but right. now, if you come across as slightly crazy and a whole lot of off, they adore you. They think <laughs> you are the beacon. You know, Kim Kardashian can come out and say, I don't smile because it causes wrinkles. And people will write that shit in history book for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I look at this situation like, okay, I was watching the um, the uh, Commander-in-Chief thing that they did on the news right. on Dateline. I think it was like Monday or Tuesday. Hmm. And basically... It was Okay, Trump comes out and essentially he says, I think Vladimir Putin is a pretty damn good president, pretty cool guy. Nobody thought anything was strange about that. Nobody thought that might have been just a touch treasonous. You know, right. nobody thought that was questionable. His poll numbers went up. It was like the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. They should have stopped that interview and arrested this man because here it is. You have intelligence that says that we suspect them of hacking the DMC, right? And we right. just do a security briefing, and you think he's a pretty cool guy? Arrest him, waterboard him, and find out who fucking knows. <laughs> right, I agree. 
I would love the thought of Donald Trump being water waterboard is just wonderful. I just have to. <laughs> it makes you want to Let me just it. tell you, no. it would be it would be it would be the best. It would be the most fabulous waterboarding that ever happened. There would be tremendous. no waterboarding that would be as great as that waterboarding. And tremendous. And one, you know, he always uses these superlatives. It's just and then look at what happened yeah. to crucifix. And we've said this before. When they made a political stand, they were looked at as social pariahs. I mean, they were damn near. Well, they were outcasts. They weren't damn near. They were outcasts. But yeah. you have allowed. They didn't even make a political. They didn't even make a. They didn't even make a political statement. Mm. Right. They just they made said, a statement. We're a little. We're a little disappointed in our president. He's from. He. We're from the same uh, state. And we're a little disappointed with him. And then they become persona non gratis. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, that, that was something we actually and talked about. And they weren't the only, you know, and let me just say they weren't the only ones we talk about the Dixie Chicks a lot. But someone else whose career suffered greatly was my girl, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. She made several jokes about the Bush administration, and she lost her Weight Watchers deal, mm -hmm. and she had another deal at the time, too, and yeah. she lost that one, and then people stopped booking her, and then suddenly she wasn't right for no movies no more, you know, so, yeah, yeah she, that... You're right. She's another one who has said other things, not even politically-based things, but other things that I find to be very insightful and very, very intelligent and people have this attitude about her. She's a bitch. You know, what does she know? You know, they they, they go. I looked at, I remember the situation with The View when the, the football player Rice and um, the, the incident with him and he uh, punched a girlfriend and she he literally laid out unconscious in this elevator. And the video mm -hmm. came out and she talked about that on The View and they all attacked her. And she was like, yes. first of all, look, first. That girl had no business hitting this man to begin with, and she hit him anyways. And then, yes, he reacted probably poorly and, and laid her out, being that he is stronger than her. But she was like, would he have hit her if she had never hit him? You know, and, and that was the point that she, Whoopi Goldberg was making that. Plus, you know, just don't put your hands on nobody, male or female. Right. Oh, if young. you don't want to get hit, don't hit nobody. Right. You don't want to hit, right. hit nobody. And they were all over her on The View. They were like, you know, she's a woman. He's a man. He's a football player. He had no reason. But, you know, that's some shit. But that's some shit that they've been selling for years. You know, men ain't supposed to oh, hit I know. women. Blah, da, 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 da. You know what? And I, and, 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 and you know, no, I, no, again, I recognize. They've been, but that's what I'm saying. As a whole, people reacted that way because they've been selling that shit for years. And I have always said, I don't think a man should ever hit a woman until she puts her hands on him first. Then all bets are off. Don't tell me that she's the weaker sex because if she went in with that fight, being the weaker sex, and she knew that, and she knew she could probably get her ass whooped, she probably shouldn't have taken that first step in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and when we talk about equality as a whole, I mean, you know, I mean, dynamics of power, whatever. I mean, we talk about we want this thing around women are considered equals, but then we still do this thing over here where we placate them. It's like, but they're still the weaker sex. And right. we yes. can't do that. And that happens so often when you talk about domestic violence, because, I mean, the man is automatically assumed to be the, the perpetrator or the predator when the situation happens. And I know, you know, dealing with domestic violence and it being one of the areas that I work in, um, a lot of times, Women sometimes there have been several situations there. where the woman has thrown the first punch. 
Well, not right. even that far from She can actually also be full on abusing a man. And a lot of people, when we get into that whole thing around our ideas around manhood and what that looks like, we look at it as a man. Oh, well, how can a man be abused by a woman just because he's a man? No, he can be. You know, and that's the thing where yes. like we really have to get out of our head. And even in our own communities, you know, we don't talk about which is, I mean, this is how I kind of ended up coming to M3. But this whole thing around domestic violence and the gay community as a whole, you know, we don't look at that like, I mean, I know going through a personal experience, but really dealing with that whole thing of, well, you can't be in a situation where you're being abused because, you know, you're a man and you're dealing with another man. So essentially, you know, there's no way that he can be abusive to you. And Absolutely. having a police not being willing to respond and actually even almost threatening to basically say, well, we if we do something, we're going to at least have to take both of you out of jail when it was obvious who the perpetrator was and what had happened. So yeah. we, we have to get outside of that, you know, and and really, yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, any more on this? I was going to uh, switch topics and do a little plug. Um, I want to uh, just basically plug the different uh, Facebook groups that uh, M3 has. Uh, we have five right now. It's uh, M3 Politics, M3 Life, M3 Music, M3 Entertainment, uh, M3 Undercover. We're going to have a discussion about mental health because we've had this term come up a few times. It's called self-care. Um, and so I found an article about self-care, and I'm going to talk about it. Um, it's talking about nine um, self-care habits to find happiness within yourself. And I asked the question, you know, what self-care routines help best for you and, you know, under what circumstances do they not work? But let me give you the examples they have in this article. This was from lifehack.com. Okay, so self-care one, um, eating healthy. Uh, I guess eating healthy, making, um, you know, energy more available. Um, number one. Two, uh, exercise. <laughs> A self-care thing. Um, three, uh, treating yourself well, and in this um, regard, being, you know, uh, I guess spoiling yourself or like retail therapy, you could say. Like if you're going to get, um, you know, something from the grocery store, getting like the better version of it, like as a way to self-soothe. Um, four, taking a break from social media. I don't know. We can talk about that, but some people. <laughs> Sometimes might want to take a step away from their Facebook accounts. Jesus. Um, taking yourself out on a date. Uh, I'm saying, like, if you have your favorite uh, date that you would go on, how about taking yourself on a date? Like going to get dinner and a movie. Um, going out and exploring. Uh, going on a long nature walk. Uh, you know, just being by yourself for a while. Number seven, uh, taking beautiful pictures. This is kind of something I guess you could do on the nature walk. <laughs> um, eight, um, writing in a journal. Um, either, you know, a stream of consciousness narrative or even writing, you know, stories or something as a form of therapy or something. And then um, decluttering and purging, saying that um, to get out of a bad spot, you might want to just throw everything away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, self-care. Anyone have a self-care technique that yeah, works? Yeah, almost none best? of those work for me. None? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, so I mean, several of them. So, Say that again. I'm into several of them. One of them definitely being retail therapy. Um, people who know me know I tend to like to shop on the high end of things. And so 
you know, that's that's my therapeutic uh, behavior. Um, something that we learn in school, we do talk. There's like a good bit of education of to us about you know retail, not the retail, they're talking about therapy, <laughs> and being able to take care of yourself mentally. Because if you don't, a lot of the thoughts, feelings, and issues that other people experience will turn inward on you, and you'll be taking that stuff home mm-hmm. with you continuously dealing with it when you shouldn't be. Um, and I think that goes for a lot of people in a lot of different fields. If you um, have to deal with the public or deal with people or anything like that kind of on a consistent basis, you start to take on some of those those things from those people. You take on some of their issues, their concerns, their problems, the problems they create for you, all of that. And so You better preach. You have to be able to have an outlet for that something away from what you're experiencing in order so that you can do it. You can't take care of somebody else if you can't even take care of yourself. If you're not very well taken care of, there's no way you can help somebody else. And so being aware of being very in tune with who you are, uh, being grounded, having that release and that way to get free. Uh, you know, for me, I always I promote, especially in young males, I promote masturbation a lot for doing that. That's one of those things that I have found <laughs> to be very useful. <laughs> especially That's for part of taking who, yourself out on a date. <laughs> Masturbate. <laughs> people who are, for whatever reason, sexually repressed. You know, you're in an institution, what have you. You're sexually repressed. Masturbation is a great outlet. Endorphins. Right. A lot of things that go on with that. So definitely it's a good idea to do that one. Um, uh, having, you know, some of us take on that role of when our friends have a problem, they call us and we work out and talk to them about those problems. But then we don't oftentimes feel we have our own outlet. So blogging and journaling is something that really works well for those types of people who have uh, who need outlets. Um, outside of the normal realm of a friend or a family member to be that outlet. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of self-care, and it does have a big impact on your mental health because people who don't have very good self-care techniques, don't have very good self-care skills, oftentimes engage in maladaptive behaviors. Um, So that's how you get the addictions and things like that. That's a lot of where those things come up. The uh, self-abuse type things, self-harm things come into play often. So, yeah. So I was going to say, like, some of those those self-care things that they offered, I can easily see being turned into, like, a crutch or abusing them. Because my go-to self-care is food. I mean, I'm <laughs> a fat boy. So it's going to be some chicken wings. It's going to probably be Some pizza. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> pizza with hot sauce, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, but that's okay, though. You just need to frame it a little better. Yeah, yeah. Instead of it being just food it needs to be cooking healthy right right. cooking going to a store and picking out fresh fruits and vegetables talking to the man at the meat market and getting the best products and then looking through books and looking online and finding these really really great recipes and taking the time to sit down and cook healthier meals (laughs) and then enjoying that versus say a pizza or hot and things like that you sit down and you create meals that you can share or even sit down and create your own and writing a cookbook behind it. Right, right. No, I, I think my my guilty pleasure now has been baking brownies. I've been trying all kinds. This <laughs> is mm-hmm. like trays and trays of brownies. It's bad. Anyway, <laughs> that's clearly maladaptive. 
as someone uh, who deals with depression, I know I tend to stay inside a lot. So sometimes my self-care comes in the form of actually going outside and letting the sun touch my skin. And I know I need to do that more often, but you get so depressed that, you know, sometimes getting out of bed is a victory. And so I deal with that sometimes. And then with the whole arena of the tumblers and things like that, there have been moments where I had to kind of step away from social media, whether it is interacting with the group or Twitter and all that, because it, it can become much, especially when you're giving yourself, you're trying to give advice or be helpful, but you're not feeling like you're getting the same type of care in return. You start to, I, I start to isolate myself when I feel alone. So I have to kind of sit back and kind of cool off in order to kind of get myself back together. Um, I know back when I was around 22 and 23, I did self-care, but it was harmful because I started to drink a lot. Yeah. So I started to, you know, I had like Jack Daniels on my bed and I would just drink that to kind of distance myself from the feelings that I already had. And that wasn't healthy. So within 2010, I finally went to therapy and they were like, take antidepressants and try to find another outlet. So every weekend I would take myself out. I would go to the museum by myself. I would go to the movies by myself. All these things that people were like, oh, I wouldn't do that by myself. I enjoyed doing it because I was doing the things I wanted to do, whether I was with someone or not. Yeah. It was just an, it, it was better to be out than be at home with a bottle of Jack Daniels, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question. Was that with the, you and the Jack, mm-hmm. you and your relationship with Jack Daniels? <laughs> was that self care mm-hmm. or self medicate? It was self medicate before the Will Future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Basically, it wasn't really. You know, at first I was thinking it was self care because I'm like, okay, I'm feeling you know. I feel uninhibited. I can be more free and light, but after a while, it became a crush to where I was using it to get sleep. I was using it to, you know, and anytime I did have a situation, I'd come home and drink it. I didn't feel so worried about it instead of like facing those situations. But um, now it's a matter like last year, don't judge me. I finally learned how to ride a bike. <laughs> and I'll, you know, try to do that more. Um, yeah. I need to do it. I need to do it more because I know some folks probably side I mean right now, but I want to just do different things to kind of get me out there because last year wasn't the greatest year, and I just wanted to figure out a way to kind of care for myself. And I started using the term self care more after, you know, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. Like I had to get away from social media because reblogging so much black grief took a toll on me. We were seeing nothing but black tears, people crying. We were seeing death all on social media. And usually I have a monthly conference where we get on the phone to jack off and stuff, but I had one conference where I was like, our self-care is important, so let's talk about what's going on right now in society with our black lives. And it was a different conversation because, you know, people used to get on the phone again being sex, but I'm like, this is part of the overall wank squad. We're going to care about each other in other forms besides just, you know, being our meat or whatever. We need to talk about these things because it affects us. I can go to quick trip right now and go get me something I look especially and get shot. Yeah. It's a scary thought. So, yeah, I'm all about, you know, dating yourself. I'm all about going outside and walking. Like, I go to Stone Mountain Park and walk around. Um, and also Just surround yourself with positive energy. Tennessee. Hmm? I said, just stay out of Lynchburg, Tennessee. <laughs> that's, what it, that's where they make the Jack Daniels. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, I mean, I can't drink like I used to, which is good anyway, but I don't drink heavily anymore, thankfully. So I don't, yeah. you know, I jack off a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, earlier in that, like when, you know, I did have a friend who, I honestly, every time I contact him or anytime he contacts me, he's jacking off. Like, I don't know any time. <laughs> 
I don't know if it's a problem, but I'm just wondering when does jacking off become an addictive behavior? You know what I'm saying? What, how often were you calling him? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe once a day. You know, it's just like oh, it's an you know, you're checking thing. in, and every time I check in with him, it's like, what's up? Oh, I'm edging. Like I'm, <laughs> he's always edging. Like there's no other time. Like if he's not working, he's masturbating. Well, I, I think though. No, well, I was going to say, working, I guess. well, yeah, that's a good thing. I would <laughs> say, I mean, the, the thing about anything that you just mentioned, I mean, you know, like we teach, especially working in an addiction, is that, you know, anything in excess can be a potential addiction and can be good something bad. So, you know, like I know people like they have gotten to the point where they have again to do some of these things. Like I know people that have self-dated for so long that they have now gotten to a point where they don't want to look at options that maybe at some point they can look at maybe potentially going into situations where they might be able to develop relationships. Um, like you said with Jack Daniels, I know some people though too that because they don't drink every now and then that for them, that healthy outlet might be to have a drink. So yeah. it, it's not, it's not always something I think that is either black or white in either situation. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, I mean, healthily what you do to take care of yourself because you have to do that. Cause like for me, yeah, I tell people social media sometimes, I have to leave it alone. Like my friends are always like, "Oh, I sent you something on Facebook. I haven't been on Facebook in three days. Well, why? Because I need to, I have to detach. And at one point for six months, I didn't touch my Facebook page because it was just too much. And like all that information and all that access, it was becoming overwhelming. And then I didn't like, it felt evasive at a while, after a while, you know, you post something up about where you are or what's going on, or, you know, some people that'll check in and the next thing, you know, you have people you don't even like saying, oh, no, I heard you went there or you did this. And it's like, really? Like, you know about what's going on in my life. And I don't like that. So <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah. for me, I mean, I, I mean, I learned like the journaling was going to be being a music person. Music is definitely a very big outlet for me because, yeah. you know, it can take you different places depending on where you want to go. But I also learned with me with Atlanta being home and so much of my life being here. Sometimes I have to get off the soil, literally. So I've like literally gone and gotten on a plane and I told anybody and go somewhere. Now I'll let them know once I get there, I'm safe and where I'm at. But it's like I need to disconnect almost like unplugging. It's very much like the Matrix. It's like literally unplugging from the Matrix and saying, I need to go somewhere where I don't have any connections or any of all that so I can deal with what I'm going through. Because, yeah, at home, I'm dealing with family. I'm dealing with friends. Like Xavier said, I work with people all day, every day. And I talk to them about their problems and what's going on. And then, you know, other mechanisms that you know people just reach out to you and they'll ask you know you know different things because they know what you do and the nature of your work so it's just kind of like you know you can be compassionate and reach out and help people that at some point you realize that yeah you will burn yourself out if you yeah. do not manage yeah. yourself your care in some way and that's i also tell people you know therapy is my friend my therapist I, if i could see her every fucking day i would <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's, it's, it's a healthy outlet also but yeah, I mean, there are other things that we can do that are not so evasive as far as medical, but just, yeah, just, you know, learning, you know, I mean, and even like we talked about the whole conversation about masturbation and self-love, being able to understand that those things are okay and healthy and good as long as we learn how to manage them and properly negotiate them. Yeah. Right. If it's, I mean, if you're, if you're, I mean, your friend doing it once a day isn't, but also, yeah, I don't, for those who enjoy edging, especially because like I can edge for hours and hours and hours, it's kind of puts you at a relax. It's kind of like meditating, but you're just enjoying yeah. yourself. But if it's to a point where it's interfering with how you interact with people, where you're not socializing, where you're missing work and things like that, then yeah, that's a problem. 
Right, but right. if you're able to like go day to day and still do, but still talk to your friends, or still go out when you feel like it, not because you're just held up, but when you feel like going out, because I'm an introvert. So if I can stay home, I'm cool. But yeah, you know, as long as you're able to still do those social things that that keep you grounded and keep you human, and you're just not, you know, coming out with like one strong ass arm all the time and just chilling. <laughs> You know, made it up, but don't allow it to take over your life to the point where you're doing it every day and you don't even know if it's six o'clock in the evening or six o'clock in the morning. That's right. Why are people so afraid of therapy? Mm. Well, it's it, it, that's a two part question. First of all, you gotta understand all people are not afraid of therapy. Well, I mean, and, I mean, as a whole, I know not everybody. Well, that's the thing, even as a whole. The issue then breaks down to African Americans have a greater aversion to therapy than Caucasians do, um, and a lot of that is because of cultural. A lot of that is cultural bias. Mm-hmm. In the African American community, you know what happens in the family stays in the family. And the only other person you may can discuss anything with is the church or the pastor of the church specifically, mm-hmm. and you know that's all fine and well in its own perspective places. People don't want to be deemed as if I go to therapy, something's got to be really wrong with me. You know, I got to be crazy. You know, it's stigmatizing the thought process that I participate in therapy. So something is really fucked up about me. Um, Whereas Caucasians, a lot of which, you know, for them, sometimes therapy, especially the more affluent ones, like the ones around in the Buckhead area, if you think about it, as far as Atlanta goes, those individuals look at therapy as say, I have this expensive friend that I talk to every day. <laughs> I don't really have very many issues, but I pay him $150 an hour to just listen to me bitch about whatever I want to talk about. Um, and But then there's also that place where people have found that they need a non-biased person to give them direction and perspective. People think therapy is about giving advice. Well, it's actually not. Therapy has a lot to do with eliciting the response from the person to find the place of recovery within themselves. And that's what you learn to do as a trained therapist is how to elicit and ask these right open-ended questions so the person can verbalize certain things and hear that for themselves and talk about what am I feeling? What am I thinking? How does that impact my life? changes do I need to make in order to improve my current situation? Um, so, right. So you get uncomfortable knowing that I'm going to have this essentially a strange person who I don't know if they're judging me or not. I'm going to come to you who I've never met, who, don't know, who I don't know anything about, and I'm going to tell you all of this stuff about me. How? What are you going to do with this information? How are you going to view me? You know, Will this come back to haunt me? Does this really mean I'm crazy or something is wrong with me? Those are the thoughts that people have who don't like therapy. Yeah. Um, and so as a therapist and as a person who continues to deal with mental health, I constantly, even when I'm not in a non-working mode, I'm constantly telling people therapy is not all of that. It's not a bad thing. Um, I think at some point we all probably have needed it and getting it would have changed a lot of some of our history and definitely made some improvements in our futures. Uh, plug my new podcast with uh, Jimmy Thomas. He came on mm. um, this past Friday for the Entertainment Hangout. But uh, we have this podcast called Jimmy and the Brain. We have two, <laughs> we have two episodes out. Um, basically, we are very different people, and we approach a lot of different topics. 
uh, from our very um, right left brain type uh, perspective, and uh, it's very interesting. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. It's Jimmy and the Brain. You know, when you're dating someone, do you is that one of the major things you look for? Is someone who can manage money well? Because uh, for me, yes, it is. I look at you work for McDonald's, and that's how I find it well. But do you work for McDonald's but have a um, have a Houston's mentality? You know, if you do, then we have a problem already. But now, if you work for McDonald's and you are looking at, you deal with your life on that level of salary, and then you are looking at progressively growing and doing something else, and you just want a partner that's going to work with you, then we we can we can talk. Um, me now more so than ever, I have kind of thought about what is my future going to look like, and that's what retirement is all about. It's about planning for living in the future outside of working your standard eight to five. Um, if you work a standard eight to five, and that, that that takes on a lot of components because by myself, my spending may be one way, but when I have a partner, my spending may change. And then there's also that thought process of what happens if either of us become ill? Are we going to be able to manage and maintain our lifestyle knowing that our income is going to be substantially cut in half? Um, how to deal with things like uh, being able to function, you know, having, you know, the bills are paid, all oh, that's fine and well, but do we have money to go on vacation? Do we have time and the, and the 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 financial resources to do other things, not just deal with our day-to-day livings and not just to deal with emergencies, but just being able to go out and have a life. And so now when I start dating people, I start talking to them, that's kind of a big conversation for me is, you know, what is your plans for the future? Do you want to have a future? It doesn't mean we got to get married, but being married means X, Y, and Z financially. And where do you see yourself in all of that? Or do you always intend for us to live in two separate houses, pay two separate sets of bills, and go about living our lives completely separately? Yeah. Um, it came up recently with me about, you know, because there I am religious. Um, I, real, I had a realization of what it meant by being unyoked. Uh, unequally yoked with a person. Uh, and a guy basically said, you know, you're a little too much for me. I cannot see. I want to be simple. I want to live a simple life. I'm fine with living at home with my parents or, or living in an apartment for the rest of my life. And I know that's not going to work with you. And I was like, you're right. It's not. It's, it's not where I am now. And it's not where I'm going to be later on in my life. Um, and and that, that can make dating somebody very difficult. You can have yeah. so things in common, but your outlook on the future is so vastly different that it really means your relationship probably not going to last because you're going to eventually have to go separate ways in order to achieve these individual futures. Yeah. I think you have um, to ask what are your deal breakers. Yeah. I've heard it said that um, you know, like the way you spend money, I think I was bringing it up over and over in the, um, the entertainment hangout. Um your money, the way people use money reveals values more than anything because, you know, the way you spend your money shows how you value certain things. In fact, it's it's a pretty good, you know, numerical expression of how much we value our items, how much we're willing to pay for them, how much money we're willing to spend on certain things. Like you, I forget how um, somebody put it with like a video game system. They couldn't see themselves spending $60 on a game like 
when I told them how much a video game system costs and how much a video game costs, it's like, $60 for a game? Like, I'm just not. <laughs> like, I don't value games that much. Um, but so, so that was one thing I would say. And, and part of a relationship is respecting each other's values, you know. Um, whether it be someone who likes to be carefree and spontaneous versus someone who plans and is meticulous about how they spend their money, you know, both people have to respect each other's way of spending money, you know. Um, I think, you know, on top of, like, you know, investing the same amount of time and energy into the relationship and, you know, I'm sure there are many other factors to, uh, you know, how much you value, you know. But that's the thing I look for is do we have common values? Do we respect each other's even if they're not the same? Can you at least respect the way that I go about spending yeah. and saving money? And you have to be kind of careful even when you're looking at stuff like that because it's like look, looking at like the credit bureaus here in, in the United States, which is a unique thing to the United States. You really can't just say a person is careless with money because, like you say, I may well spend sixty dollars on a video game, and then there's this person over here who says they won't spend sixty dollars on a, on a video game. However, they will spend hundred and twenty dollars on a car. Well, you know, they both appreciate, you know, so really yeah. is one any better than the other? Um, it's how do your financial, for me, it's not so much about the actual item, because we all have our thing. We all have right. our thing, okay? Because truth be told, I think it, you, you can make the argument to say, well, you know, you spend all this money on drinking alcohol, or I'm a car fanatic, and people get on me about my spending when it comes down to vehicles. And I'm like this. Yes, I'm more likely to purchase a new vehicle, but guess what? I'm still going to pay less than you do, even though you think you're going to pay less than me because you bought one and used. You're going to pay more in interest than I'm going to pay. I'm not going to pay for maintenance for six years. The car's paid off in five. So I can argue you down all day long about how our spending works for us in our particular lifestyle. The real question is, how does your spending affect the bottom line? How does your ability to spend and manage and maintain money impact the outcome of your life. Do you spend in a way that at the end of the month or end of two months, you're you're completely exhausted your financial resources, and therefore if an emergency comes up, you're gonna need support in dealing with the emergency? Or do you spend in a way that not only covers all of your needs, covers the rainy days if the rainy day ever come up, but also you are thinking about, okay, I like this. This is something I care about. I want this as a part of me. I have paintings and I have other stuff that you know other people look at like I would never spend that much money. But for me, they mean something to me, and I wanted them, and I bought them, and I have them now, or someone bought them for me. I have them now, and my truck note is paid, my insurance is paid, and I have a decent enough in savings. So, did I make a bad investment? To me, no. But to somebody else, possibly. Plus, it goes back to uh, self-care because mm -hmm. there are some people who need to play video games. I personally, I used to work at a job, I won't say the name in case it ever comes back around, <laughs> I used to work at a job where I absolutely hated my manager and she was a blonde haired black woman and so when I was done and she had aggravated me properly, I would go home, turn on Grand Theft Auto, go to the beach on the game, load myself up with a flamethrower or something, and chase all the blonde hair, blue-eyed girls in the video game. <laughs> this kept me from both having a stroke and yeah. cussing her out losing my job. 
Now, that was a $50 investment that wound up being worth a whole lot more. Uh, uh, hmm. Okay. If you say so. Well, um, well, I remember. Um, here's, my, here's, my, here's my claim to fame, and I'll compete it. African-Americans have this tendency more so than any other population of people I've ever seen, is that we're all about trying to live, okay? We're trying to survive, actually. Let me back up. It's not even living no more. It's survival. We, we behave in a notion of survival. We constantly work, live our lives in a notion of surviving. How can I survive to the next paycheck? How can I survive? That's our thing. We don't really think about thriving. We don't think about sometimes going out and rewarding ourselves in the fact that you work hard as fuck. You have went through school and you sacrificed to get through school. You sacrificed, you sacrificed, and you sacrificed. Now you got this job. And it's not to say you should spend it to the very end or do anything like that. But it is to say sometimes you got to stop and make a frivolous decision to do this one little thing because it's not going to impact the bottom line. And you walk away happier about it. So, yeah, there are going to be times I'm going to do some stuff. I get questions about it all the time. Zavid, why did you spend that much on that? Well, shit, because I really wanted it. It was a badass motherfucking bag or whatever it was. And I love it to death. Yes, it mm-hmm. cost a fucking fortune. But, hey, I love this thing. And I'm so, happy about it. Let me ask you this. Is this something that you would slowly reveal to someone you're dating? Like, if it was, like, a very expensive bag or something? Do you like keep that to yourself for a while or do you let people know? I what I'd like to do is I'll kind of put like testers out there, little smaller things to see how they react. Um, just to see what their direction is, you know. Uh I may be talking about, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm looking at the Louis Vuitton uh fashion show from back in the spring. What why would you want to wear Louis Vuitton? I I do just as good buying clothes out of H and M and Walmart. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And, and you just kind of keep on going. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sip tea and move on. Yeah, yeah you just kind of keep on going. I'm trying to cook. That's why I've kind of... Oh, no, it's all good. No, well, but I, I think, Xavier, your question is very much linked to also your first part, your your first question, which I know we said we will examine earlier, but it's like, you know, a lot of times when people think about retirement and investing and things like that, they do think about it from a cultural, cent- a, a couple-centered kind of mindset. And for a lot of us not being in relationships, some of us not seeing ourselves in relationships as gay men, that conversation in that is is completely different. And it is kind of that, you know, that Peter Pan syndrome for some of us, you know, I'm never going to get old. I'm always going to be young and pretty and fabulous. And that ain't the case, honey. So you do have to worry about, I mean, our future and whether or not we're going to what am I going to do to make sure that in the future, like you said, I was living fabulous when I was in my 20s and 30s and maybe my 40s. But. Now that I have gotten to my 60s or 50s or whatever, you know, how am I going to keep up with the lifestyle that I deem appropriate for me? Yeah. And that's not something that yet again, you know, those are things that are taught from a very, you know, heterocentric, you know, coupled kind of you're married and you're that kind of point. And now even with gay marriage, I mean, that's not something a lot of us are even still looking at. You know, it's like, yeah. well, now it's just, oh, yeah, we can get gay. Not, well, I mean, marriage, but, oh, now we get married. But then where are the other things that go with marriage? Marriage is just not about, oh, yeah, I got married and now I'm looked at as a legal entity. But, you know, marriage also is about planning for our future and things like that. So 
I think it just kind of depends on where a person is. You know, it is the 15th anniversary of 9-11. I actually just um, was reading some stories. Uh, There's this, I guess this thing called StoryCorps. It's a, um, it's like a part of the Library of Congress where they're trying to record histories, vocal interviews of um, people who survived, survivors of 9-11, people who were involved in, you know, first responders, things like that. Um, And so... Um, I ended up listening to some of these. This, you know, it was interesting. There was one about one of the ticket counter um, people. Some actually do know a few people who work at the airport, um, and this person just happened to be working in Boston. Um, you know, September 11, 2001, and actually sold one of the tickets to one of the hijackers. You know, and he remembers. You know, he feels like this. You know, immense amount of guilt. Obviously, like. I don't know if you remember getting on an airplane before 9-11. It was completely different than it is now. But, um, yeah, they weren't really checking for dangerous people. They were checking for packages. So, um, yeah, like if you were like a last-minute passenger or something. Yeah, I do remember getting on planes before 9-11. Yeah, you didn't nece- they didn't you necessarily. Could run, keep- you could run through the airport. You could show up three minutes before your flight took off and still make it if you if you hustled hard enough. Exactly, and especially if you didn't have a bag. You know, that was part of it was they were really checking for dangerous bags. They didn't think about people with, like, box cutters and hijacking the plane that way. So, yeah, if you didn't have a if you didn't have a bag, you could pretty much get on the plane, no problem. So, um, you know, that was interesting and depressing. But <laughs> interesting, it was good. It was a good stories. People remembering their loved ones and all that good stuff. So uh, I thought I'd bring that up. 15 years. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'd never go into Manhattan on 9-11. Yeah. What, what sort of, I guess, um, services they're having or memorial yeah. services? Yeah. Yeah. I saw some of, um, you know, they have some here as well. But um, yeah, I can imagine like at the memorial um, in New York, and probably the one in D.C. as well. Uh, well, yeah, because I mean, today is it was it's considered an official day of uh, mourning. Mourning. Yeah, uh, it was declared that you know right after the attacks. So there's yeah. you know something everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else there might be going on. But I, I think we're just going to wrap it up here. Um, give a special thanks again to our special guest, Coach Wink. Yay! <laughs> he made it all the way through. <laughs> Very insightful. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm going to try that flaxseed. I'm telling you, I'm going to be on that shit. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Derek. <laughs> yeah, give, give us like another reminder of your... Um, Social media platforms and your blogs and podcasts. Um, my Tumblr blog is wankworthy.tumblr.com. Um, my podcast is Bait Nation. It's on SoundCloud, so it's um, SoundCloud.com/slash/baitnation. Uh, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Wankworthy Bait Nation. Um, oh, and my other outreach outlet is BamaBoyBlues.com. That's both with an I. And yeah, just find me on the internet somewhere. Yeah. Just, you know. 
I've already tweeted I'm you. <laughs> you should have felt, felt it by now. <laughs> and I hope to be back just to be on and chill out and hang out with y'all. I really had a good yeah. time. Thank y'all so much for allowing me to come here. So Yeah, absolutely. Um I was gonna bring up the uh the the notion of cuffing season. That was gonna be one of my topics. Because apparently that's a thing where people try to get into relationships. Yeah, you need to keep that for next week because that, that involves yeah. a conversation. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk about cuffing season. And also, um, if you are trying to find you a boo for the cold weather, you can always inbox us on uh, Instagram. We'll feature your picture. <laughs> <laughs> you said one more for the Insta hoes. <laughs> Lord. Oh, that Jesus. oh yeah. dude, Instagram is the shit. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, uh, keep ho- keep posting the hot selfies. I- I'm looking at them. So. Um, also, <laughs> make sure to uh, you know. Go to mailmediamind.com, be a part of our different communities, answer our questions, different topics for all the groups, uh, pose a question, answer a question. Um, we always enjoy getting your topics and feedback. T- thank you to all the contributors today, to uh, Derek, Jeff, Xavier, Lonnie. I think Gerald popped in for a second. And, yeah, he did. And our audience, um, thank you all for joining oh. us. I also want to give a shout out to uh, my entire Wank squad just for being supportive and hopefully they watch. If not, I'm going to link them so they can watch this because it's a requirement now to watch this. Yes. We will have a of everything I've been doing for quite some time, um, including Beta World. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, shout out to everybody. Being yeah. supportive. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll um, hopefully have a uh, an edited version because I already had the title. It's called Yoga for Your Dick. I <laughs> 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 might have to, you know, hide the letters, dick, you know, some astrophy. You know. Yeah. Whatever. I was like, that sounds like a perfect title. <laughs> Yoga for Your Dick. <laughs> but anyway, uh, thank you so much for being here, everyone. Um, we will check you next week. Yay! Peace. Thank you for listening to the M3 Bear Essentials Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about M3, please visit us at mailmediamind.com. From there, you can find links to our social media accounts, such as YouTube, where you can subscribe and get notifications when we record our podcast live. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week.